All right, let's all stand our feet tonight. If you don't mind, take your Bible, turn to the book of First Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles, chapter number one. Second Chronicles, chapter number one. We're going to take a minute and read some scripture. Now, everybody look up here at me real quick. We're going to do an exercise because this is a new preacher nobody's heard. And I want everybody to get the anxiety out of you to go. All right. Everybody got that out of your system now. We're going to be all right. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter number one. We're going to read us a couple of verses of scripture and pray the Lord to help us tonight. I appreciate so much the opportunity to come, be a part of this service, the singing, the food, the church. My goodness, it's just wonderful. There's nothing I can say but good about what's happened here this week at the Indian Mission Baptist Church. I'm used to long drives, used to being out in this area, and there wasn't nothing uncomfortable about being here, and I appreciate all that God's done for us. All right, Second Chronicles chapter number 1. The Bible said, And Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of the hundreds, and to the judges and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went into the high place that was at Gibeon. For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I need your help tonight. I need your touch. God, I pray that you'd ease our heart and mind, God, relieve the anxieties of our soul. God, let us just preach the Word of God as you've laid it out to us this evening. God, I pray that the hearts and minds of you people will be encouraged tonight. God, I pray that you put a bridle about my tongue. Give me slow speech. God, is not Moses of God, but you'd help me, Lord, to speak plainly. That folks might understand the words that are coming from my mouth. God, most of all, I pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit might say unto the church. Now, I thank you and I praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I was running across this scripture this evening. I got to this verse number 3. And it said, Solomon and all the congregation with him went up to a high place, was at Gibeon. For there was a tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up and carried it Jerim to the place which David had prepared for it, for he preached a tent for it in Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, and Solomon, the congregation, sought into it. I got to thinking about this high place. Oh my goodness, if there's ever been a need in our nation today for God's people to get in a high place to get in the presence of God and find God's will for their life and find where God might have them to serve them to do the things they do. And I got to thinking about some things that happened in a high place and on mountains. And I got to seeing that Moses, you know, went up on a mountain, the Bible says, and he brought down a tablet of stone. And we sometimes wonder, well, Brother Ricky, what's so significant about a tablet of stone? But if you want to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter number 7, the Bible said in verse 7, what shall we say then? Is this law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. 
But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner conspicuous, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. Verse 11 said, For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law was holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. So I'm going to say this tonight. When Moses came off of that mountain with that tablet of stone, it was a good thing. For without the law, I'd never known I was a sinner till God reproached me. With the law that said I was wrong, I would have never known I was wrong. But I thank God there's another man that went upon a mountain. And passing up there, Abraham went to a mountain in Genesis chapter number 22. And as he went up there, he got up there and he just started coming back down with the promise of God. Y'all know the story. Abraham went up and he took his son up to sacrifice him. I think somebody preached about that today or yesterday. And as he began to take the knife back and reach and kid his son and to cut his throat and let him bleed for the sacrifice of God because it takes blood to, to replenish sin or forgive sin. For the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. But we see here that Abraham had came back down. He came back down with a promise of the Lamb of God. The Lamb, the Holy Lamb, the Blessed Lamb, my Lamb, amen. The Lamb of God, as John said, would take away the sins of the world. So we see one man coming down with a law that would condemn me to death, and it surely did. But I'm glad there's another man went up on a mountain and came back with a promise of the Lamb of God that could take away this sin and repentance the law for me so that I could go free. As someone preached this morning in Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 20, Lots of things took place and very happily I am that they went up on this mountain. But there's another three men went up on the mountain one day, Peter, James, and John. Y'all remember the story? The Bible said they went up on the mountain and saw Old Testament saints. And they seen a fleshly, unrobed Son of God. I mean, the Bible said He was shining brighter than a fuller could make it. The Son of God took His robe off just for a split second maybe, not even that long. And those three men seen the Lord Jesus Christ in His glory. Then they heard the voice of God out of a cloud say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I'm telling you folks, there's been some great things shall happen up on a mountain. Some great things can happen for you, to you, and with you from spending time alone with God on a mountain. Amen. I would advise you this evening, sometime get away from yourself somewhere, all alone, away from the world. I think this, I want to say it this way. I believe the reason that a picture on the mountain here, because when you get up on a mountain, not a lot of people is going to go with you. You get up on a mountain all by yourself, nobody else is around, you can talk with God and let God talk with you. Then you can get things done. I promise you can get help on the mountain with God because you're going to need it when you come back down the other side and start down into the valleys of life. Amen. So you see here, Solomon is on this mountain. If you go back into our text, it says in verse number 6, And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. And that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Verse number 8 said, And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast shewed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Pay attention to that. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before these people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? If you were to take your Bible just for a second and turn back over to 1 Chronicles chapter number 22. We'll start reading together in verse number 7. The Bible said this. Moab, I'm sorry, Solomon went up on the mountain for this reason. God said it here in verse number 
8 that he had put him in his stead to reign in his father's place. Solomon knew right away in church that helped us to understand this. We can't do nothing without God's wisdom. You're not going to pastor a church. You're not going to preach. You're not going to be an evangelist. You're not even going to be a decent Christian without the wisdom of God in your heart and life. This is what he was facing in 1 Chronicles chapter number 22. In verse number 7 the Bible said this, And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and thou hast made great war. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. He said, Behold, a son shall be born unto thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies around about, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give him peace and quietness unto Israel in all his days. He shall build a house for my name, he shall be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he has said of thee. Solomon has been tasked with a great, a great work to do. God said, I'm going to have you build my house. Your father David's not able to, but I'm going to have you build it. Solomon's taking up this task, and the only way he knows he's going to get this task done is that he goes up into the Mount of God, he goes up into Gibeon, and he prays them to God for what? He prays for wisdom. And if that would be okay tonight, I want to start here and preach a simple message entitled this, The Pattern of Promise. It's set before us, brother, brother Brandon. God has got a pattern of things the way He wants things done. And I know this to be for a fact. If a man of God pastoring any church will get in his closet or get up on the mountain and get a hold of God and get wisdom, he can build the work as God has commissioned him to do. And without the wisdom of God, we'll never build the work God has commissioned us to do. We can come up with great ideas. We can be like Martha and run around like our chicken with a head cut off and never get anything accomplished, though it might look good from the outside. Oh, God, never let it be said of us. Oh, they look, they're busy. They're doing all kinds of things. But yet the power of God not be in the house because we're not spent time with the Lord alone in our secret place. Amen. But you see what's going on here. I got a good idea what's going on. Uh, Solomon had prayed for wisdom. And I seem to think there's a place over in the book of Ephesians in chapter number 1 where Paul had the same idea. And if I could take a second, I want to read it to you. Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 15. The Bible said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. The apostle Paul has received word that some folks have gotten saved in Ephesus. And this is what he prayed for. He didn't pray for them to be taken of their enemies. He didn't pray that they'd have great riches. He didn't pray that they'd have great homes. He didn't pray that their troubles would go away. No, this is what he prayed for. Hallelujah. He said in verse 16, He said, And cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Watch this next verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of what? Of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding of being enlightened that you may know. Praise God, church, tonight we need to know. Saints of God, we need to know what is what. What is the hope of His calling? What is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He hath brought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him in His right hand in the heavenly places? 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion for every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and given give him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. You and I not only need to pray for wisdom for ourselves, but we need to pray for wisdom for those that come along behind us. Those that are getting saved, these young Christians across this platform tonight, these young 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 8 year olds, they need to know what the power of God is in life. They need to know what God can do for them if they'll call Him and seek His face on a daily basis through this blessed book. He's talking about this wisdom that he had, but he needed the wisdom for a reason. And we're going to talk about this pattern just for a second. Solomon's been commissioned to build the house of God. Who could take on such a task? How many of you and I would ever take on such a task to create a house for a God so big? Right. Chapter number 2, we're going to see this this evening. We're going to see the determined people gathering together. Verse number 1 said of chapter 2, And Solomon determined to build a house for the name of the Lord and a house for His kingdom. He is determined in his heart to build this house. Look at verse number 6. I'm excited about this verse. He said, But who is able to build him a house? Seeing the heavens of heavens of heavens cannot contain him. Who am I then that I should build him a house? Who's going to build a house big enough to hold God? The heavens can't even contain who he is. Can I give you a little hint tonight? The house isn't being built for him. It's being built for you and I. Look at the latter part of the verse with me. The Bible's here in the latter part of the verse. It says, save only to burn sacrifices unto him. What do you mean, Brother Ricky? It's the place where you and I come to serve God in our life. You can't, this place would never hold God. If he blew through here right hard, we'd all be dead. Amen? This place is too big for God. God built a place for you and I to come to meet with Him with. Amen? That's what He wrote in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25, wasn't it? Fail not to assemble thyself. Amen? That's what God wants us to do. To assemble in the house of God. Now watch this. Why should we assemble in the house of God? It's a place to live. It's a place to give. It's a place to serve. It's a place to hear this blessed book. And if I'm these days while we're here, bless God, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? But we're sitting in the service one of these days, Brother Justin, for the good wind of God to blow through and bless everybody in the house. Lost souls get saved and God's people get right and start to serve Him like He's called us to do. This is a good place to be in the house of God. Amen. In this same chapter, look at verse number 17. And Solomon numbered all the strangers. I love that word. Amen. He numbered all the strangers that were in the land of Israel. After numbering wherewith David his father had numbered them, and they were found 153,600. I don't know if I'd want to pastor 153,600 people. Don't know, Brother Scott, that I'd want to be the captain or the superintendent on the job where there's 153,600 people. But Solomon had the task, amen, of telling 153,600 people what they need to do from day to day to build this beautiful house that God had tasked him to do. And again, I'll say tonight, he would not do it without the perfect plan and wisdom of God. You and I need tonight a perfect plan and wisdom of God for our life to please him and to lift forth our Savior that the world might know that Jesus Christ died for their sin. Amen. So you see here that he has tasked him. And we talk about these strangers. So we see first place, the man of God's got to get wisdom. And then the second place we see that has got to be a gathering of the people and a determined heart to do the will of God. 
Then in chapter number 3, we're going to find a vision followed. The Bible says, set up in verse number 1 and 2, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord of Jerusalem in the Mount of Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David, his father. And the place that David had prepared the threshing floor of Ormon, the Jebusite. And he began to build in the second day of the second month, in the fourth year of his reign. So we see here the determined people. And we see the vision is being followed. Solomon had to begin to build the house of God. Then in chapter number 4, we see this plainly. It's a place of prayer and the altar of sacrifice. I'm running over these chapters because we ain't got time to go through all of it. Amen? But I just want to talk about just a couple of things. If you look at chapter number 5 with me, you'll see the promise remembered and the glory revealed. The promise remembered and the glory revealed. Verse number 1 said, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled all the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribe, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, and Jerusalem to bring, up, bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. I want you to notice just a real quick statement, verse number one, before I move on. The Bible said here that Solomon had did what? He brought up all the things that David, his father, had dedicated to the house of the Lord. There's a few things that our elders, Brother Wayman, our saints have done right. Amen. They've got us where we're at today. There's some things we don't need to forget that they've done, bless God, Brother Bible. Listen. I seem like today everybody just getting in pulpits want to turn off what used to be done. They say the old way is over with. We don't need no more of that. I'm telling you, God's put some things in place that we better keep our hands on the power of God can stay in our midst. And we can serve God, praise the Lord. I'm glad some old saints tried to place for me, bless God, so that I could find the work of God and the love of God in my life. Without it, I wouldn't be here today. Without some good saints of God staying with us stuff, Brother Brandon, I wouldn't be here today. I know I'm a 62, but I'm not as old as Raymond and Barney is, praise God, or Brother Wayman. But they've been serving, Brother. Thank you for serving God and staying with the stuff. I appreciate you being here and still serving God today. We need that in our life. We need that in our churches. They're cutting it out and churches are gone way too far to the left. You can't even go into church no more without thinking of a rock and roll concert somewhere. Lights and smoke and music you can't hardly understand. Doesn't lift up God and lift up the flesh. I want that mess. Amen. I want to know what they're singing about. I want to uplift my Savior and bring honor and glory into His name when it's all said and done. Amen. But here in chapter number 5, it's a promise remembered and the glory revealed. Look at verse number 11 with me, if you would. The Bible said, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. Thank God for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers of all them of Asaph. Y'all know who Asaph is, right? Of Heman and Judithan with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalters and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. Now, I don't know if you can get a good vision of that. This little flat playing this, what would you call this thing, young man? It's a, it's a big fiddle. Big fiddle, I like that. <laughs> Obro or something like that, ain't it? Jello, Jello. Jello. We remember by Jello. But can you imagine a hundred and twenty priests standing at the end of an altar blowing trumpets unto God? Listen, 
If they was outside the church right now and around this and we'd all take off with one big swift to win and blow, would scare us out of our drawers. Let me tell you something this afternoon. This just wasn't some playtime. They were there to worship God and praying glory and honor to the Lamb of God. I'm telling you something, honey. This thing is real. We need to make worship real. We need to make praising God real. We need to be honest about our worship and our praise. Give God all the glory and honor because He's worthy of every ounce that we can give Him. Verse number 13 said, And it came even to pass that the trumpeters sang his words, One, to make one sound to be heard, and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When you get yourself in the right place, when wisdom has been gotten on the mountain, when the people get determined to serve God and the plan begins to get followed, I'm telling you something, honey, when you do what God said to do and everybody's in one mind, one accord, He's liable to show up and bless the work that's going on in the house. That's what's going on right here. He has showed up and He's blessing the work in the house. Look at chapter number 6. I want you to notice this public plea. I'm telling you something. God doesn't stop blessing when a man's doing what he's supposed to do and following God in wisdom and doing the work that the Lord told him to do. Amen. You do it as God says, and I promise you, honey, you won't do it alone. Somebody help me this evening. You do it as God says, do it, and you won't do it alone. The Bible says in chapter number 6, notice the public plea, verses 1 through 4. Then said Solomon, the Lord hath said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. But I have built him a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. The king turned his face and blessed the whole congregation of Israel and all the congregation of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who hath with his hands fulfilled that which he spake with his mouth to my father David, saying... Now look at verse number 12. And he stood before the Lord of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands... For Sodom had made a brazen scaffold of five cubits at seven and a half foot high. About the height of that little beam right there. And he set in the three cubits high. And he set, or he set five cubits broad and three cubits high. And he set it in the midst of the court. And upon it he stood and knelt down upon his knee before all the congregation of Israel. And spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven or in the earth which keepeth covenants. And shewest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Now I want to highlight a few verses and I hope you get a hold of the language that's going on here. Because I think it's going to come to fruition just in a few minutes of what this chapter's saying. There's a famous verse that a lot of men quote over in the next chapter. Chapter 7 and verse number 14. I've often wondered where it came from. Because it sounds like he's writing to a wicked people. Does he not? I'll read the verse to you. The Bible said this. He said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then when I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. But from what I can understand, Brother Brandon, from chapter 1 to chapter number 6, where we are right now, I've not seen a lot of wickedness going on. I've not seen a lot of people doing wrong things. So I got to wondering one day, why would God write that verse, Brother Brandon? I got to study in these six chapters. It's not a chance. It's not a verse going against them. It's a verse agreeing with them. Solomon's going to pray in this prayer, and you'll find out real quick the language that's going on in this sixth chapter that agrees with that verse in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Watch this now. 
And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in all heaven. Verse 14, on the earth which keepest covenants and shewest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Now stay with me. You'll need your Bible to do this. Verse 21, hearken therefore unto thy supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, and when thou hearest, forgive. Verse 22, if a man sin against his neighbor. Verse 23, then hear thou from heaven and do. Verse 24, and if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall return to confess thy name, and pray, and make supplication before thee in this house. Look at verse 25, then hear thou from heaven. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse number 7 said, Even then will I bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called the house of prayer for all people. Thank God the house built for God has turned into a house of prayer for you and I. Amen. Then he said in verse number 26, When the heaven is shut and there is no rain, verse 27, Then hear thou from the heavens and forgive. Verse 20, If there be dearth in the land, verse 29, Then what prayer, what supplication, whoever may be made in any man, are of all the people of Israel, when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief, and shall spread forth his hands. Verse 30, Then hear thou from heaven, hear thou from thy dwelling place. Look at verse 32. Moreover concerning the stranger... Y'all remember me talking about that stranger in chapter 2, verse number 17 and 18. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 12 that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers, praise God, from the covenants of promise having no hope without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. I'm glad, praise God, when he prayed the prayer he included a stranger because that's who I was, a stranger and a pilgrim and a lamb but God said if you come pray in this house I'll save your soul and I'm no more (laughs) I'm no more stranger oh my goodness child of God we get a hold of that we shut this roof off that I'm not a stranger to God I was one for that idea but now I have him down in my soul and he is my savior amen bless his holy name verse 33 said then hear thou from the heavens (laughs) and from the Even from thy dwelling place and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. Did y'all hear what it said? And do according to all A-double-L that the stranger calleth to thee for. I'm glad, praise God, he can hear a stranger in this house when we come around. Yes. Verse 34, said, if thy people go out to war against their enemies. Verse 35, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not. Verse 37, and yet if they bethink themselves in the land where they are kept, carried captive. Verse 38 said, if they return to thee with all the heart. I'm going to say that part again to get the first amen. He said, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity. Verse 39 said, then hear thou from the heavens. Verse 40 said, Now my God, I let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, in the resting place, thou in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of, thy, of David, thy servant. 
And in verse chapter number 7, we find a prayer accepted. Verse number 1 said, Now Solomon had made an end of praying. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. The sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Boy, I like how God answers your prayer, don't you? <laughs> Remember, he, he was over around Mount Carmel with Elijah. Lord answered with fire. God answered with fire more than once in this scripture. Verse number 2 said, And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Verse 3 said, And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good and His mercy endures forever. Matthew Henry said that's a song that's never out of season. You can sing that song night and day no matter when you're in the valley on the mountain. You can sing for His mercy endureth forever. Praise God, He is good to His people. I don't care what you're going through tonight. You can sing that song. And our hearts and our tongues should always be in tune to say for He is good. And His mercy endures forever. Verse 4 said the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Now look at verse number 12 and I'm just about to be done. I call this the CPR chapter. Amen. Because it is a CPR chapter. It's called Christ's Prayer and Repentance. He said in verse 12, The Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. I love this next line. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Verse 13, and this is starting to sound familiar now. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall hum themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And heal their land. It's been said over and over, several times over. This is a chapter and verse that people preach from if to then. I like to say it this way: If you will, He will. Yes. I promise you tonight, if you'll be obedient to God's voice when He calls on you to call on Him and pray about the situation in your life, the things going on that you know you can't handle alone. Right. If you'll do as He said, because He said He chose this place unto Himself as a house of prayer and sacrifice. Then if you'll come this way and pray unto God Almighty, He said, if you will, I will. He will hear your prayer. He will answer your prayers and help your cause. If you're to serve God. A pattern of promise. Let's just do it like God said to do it and everything will be alright. Thank you, preacher. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that. Oh my... Aren't you glad God's given us a pattern? Yes. And it's in Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm going to tell you, 